0: This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Hey, 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 business storytellers, welcome to episode 642. Today we're gonna to talk about the new rules of marketing and PR. And why do we always have to have new rules? I don't know, because stuff changes. And why do we have to keep talking about it? That's the question I wanna to ask today of the author of the new rules of marketing and PR, David Meerman Scott. And uh, I've been following his work for a long time. And um, the lately founder who's coming back on the show, she's been on the show already a couple of times. She's coming back to talk about Ethics in AI, I think in a few weeks, maybe in February, uh, introduced me to him for an article I was writing over on the growgetter.io blog about AI tools. So what a great opportunity to talk about what are the new rules, why do we need them, and why are people struggling with them? Or maybe they're not, but that's my perception. So see what he has to say about that. David, welcome to the show. Hey, great to see you. Nice to see you as well. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And of course, absolutely. Your website, we're, going to,
1: we're
0: going to throw your website up there at the bottom, davidmearmanscott.com. So tell me about why is it, why do we need to talk about the new rules? Are people struggling with them? Are people not following them? Are people just going back to their default settings from 15 years ago or what is going on?
1: A lot of people still are, believe it or not. The first edition of the new rules of marketing and PR originally came out in 2007. And at that time, I was looking at the new rules, comparing them to the old rules. The old rules being you could buy attention by buying advertising. You could use the media and beg for attention with the media, or you could go knock on doors one at a time and bug people for attention. But the best way, the new rules, were to generate attention by creating content. And that's what I talked about in the first edition. And the, and it took off. I'm now in the eighth edition of the new rules of marketing and PR. It's sold nearly a half million copies. It's in 29 languages. And yes, people are still defaulting to the idea that they have to spend a boatload of money on advertising or they have to have enormous armies of salespeople knocking on doors or they they need to focus on trying to generate attention with the media. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when you can create attention yourself, it makes things easier. It makes things more fun. And ultimately, people are more attracted to you because they see what you're doing and they want to be a part of it.
0: You know, of course, I'm not going to argue with you about content is important, creating attention is important, all those different things. But what's when you were just talking, I was thinking about, okay, let me just play that through for a second. What is my default, right? Like, what do I go back to? And what I go back to is I grew up as a journalist, right? So whether I'm doing a podcast or an article, it's very journalistically driven. But I think the reason I make it work, because if you ask good questions on a podcast, you have a good podcast. If right. you ask good questions of people you're interviewing for uh, an article, guess what? You're going to end up having a good article that works for SEO, that draws attention. So in that case, my default seems to work. Your your, how- def- you,
1: your default is great and right. the re- the reason is of that because of that journalistic approach and uh, I, I, I've called it brand journalism in the past, um, the idea that anyone, an individual like you and me or a company can become a journalist sharing content in the journalistic form, as you just mentioned, as, and as you're doing right now on this podcast. The, the difference and what most organizations do is they only talk about their own products and services. And how boring is that, right? Contrast the idea of brand journalism with the idea of, we're just going to talk about our products and services. And I see that as a huge difference. Um, And I love examples. Let me just share an example. I'm a big fan of an insurance company called Haggerty. Haggerty does classic car auto insurance. Their product is auto insurance. It's a product everyone hates. No one wants to spend money on auto insurance, and everyone hates to use it because it means they crash their car. Yet they have uh, millions of fans because they do this brand journalism approach. They have a fabulous YouTube channel with over a million subscribers. They have a a bi-monthly magazine, huge, 200 pages. It's really, really well done. Their content on their website is fabulous. And as a result, they're the number one provider of, a classic car auto insurance in the world. They went public on the New York Stock Exchange recently, absolutely crushing it. Mikhail Haggerty, who I've spoken with a couple of times about his business, says, you know, this idea of creating this kind of content and engaging people and generating fans is the only way we could have succeeded because everyone else is spending more money on ads than we are. And we don't want to be that low cost provider. So they're doing a great job and. And I and I love the fact that you've identified and that you actually do in a in a great way this this idea of of journalism or brand journalism, if you want to call it that
0: journalism is paying off when you do it well and you can do it anywhere um you know what i was just thinking about the other day i hardly ever talk about anything that people can buy from me on here other than like the the guest's book or sometimes i throw up my own book um but every once in a while and not not maybe every once in a while but you know from time to time people will say hey do you also help people launch their podcast yes do you also help people with this yes here's how much it costs here's how i can work with you blah 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 so my point is i didn't even bring it up right i just talked about podcasting. I just talked about live streaming. I just talked about whatever we talk about. I talk about your book. I talk about your experience, my experience. But why is it so hard for people to do that? And is it just because pressure, the quarter? Like, what's the problem?
1: Lots of different reasons for this idea that people kind of magically default to this old way of thinking. I think that you've identified a few of them. Um, In one case, it's the pressure from the bosses. It's it's the pressure of the quarterly numbers. It's the pressure of, oh my gosh, you've got to generate sales leads right now. I can't wait till next week. Um, So that's part of it. The other part of it is what's taught in schools. Uh, I've never taken a marketing course in my life. Um, But I'm told from lots of people who go to marketing classes at universities as part of an MBA program or even part of a marketing degree, is they're still teaching the idea of, of focused advertising and spending money on ads. And yes, you should understand it. And it might be part of a strategy, but it is the old rules. And it doesn't work as well as what we're talking about here, which is understanding your buyers, creating great content for those buyers, operating in real time. That's another one of the new rules. So many organizations plan everything at a glacial pace. And next quarter, we're going to do this campaign. And the quarter after we're going to do that campaign. When the world is working so fast, And if you're engaged in what I call real-time marketing or a concept I invented called newsjacking, then you're there on top of what's going on when people are interested in it Uh, because the world is changing so quickly today. And if you're focused on what's going on, you might have an opportunity to reach people instantly because you have what they're looking for.
0: You know, you have a whole section in your book about creating awesome content. And I'd be interested to hear, first of all, what is your definition of awesome content? I I find it has to be informational. It has to be a little bit entertaining, right? Who wants to listen to some monotonous speaker, even if it's the greatest content since sliced bread, right? Right? I mean, who wants to do that? I don't necessarily. I don't at all. Or if on podcasts, you know, sometimes you have um, high ranking executives and they're um their audio is horrible and I'm like I wouldn't even listen to that audio if I was on a call with my boss and I'm certainly not going to spend time listening to this podcast right um but how do you create awesome content and what does that actually mean
1: So I love to start with the people that you're trying to reach I call them buyer personas you know you can call them a target market or whatever you want but Um, The idea of a buyer persona is the person you're trying to reach. And for most organizations, there's multiple buyer personas. So imagine a hotel. You've got an independent business traveler who might want to go to that hotel. You've got a corporate travel manager who buys multiple rooms for a company who might want to do a deal with that hotel. Maybe a couple planning on getting married, want to have their reception at the hotel. Um, Maybe uh, a company that wants to hold a big event and they need a ballroom to hold the event in. Those are different buyer personas. And for the hotel... To create content requires understanding the needs of those individual buyer personas. And as we talked about before, creating content with a kind of a journalistic approach for how you would reach each of those buyer personas. And so, for example, maybe to attract the people who might want to use the hotel for a wedding reception, maybe they create a wedding blog. I live in the Boston area, so maybe the hotel calls it the Boston Wedding Blog or something like that. And they, they have different bits of content on the blog, Um, about, hey, here's a great menu for a wedding in the wintertime, or here is what you should be thinking about when you hire a wedding photographer, or here are the things that you should do to put your relatives uh, comfortably into uh, somewhere where they can stay when you're having your wedding. And I'm making this up off the top of my head, but you get the idea by understanding the buyer persona you create that interesting content, and uh, I just mentioned it in form of blog, but it could be a podcast, it could be a video, it could be all three. Um, um, but the main thing that I see people doing, which I think is wrong, is focusing too much on product and not enough on the buyers and the needs of buyers and how they can solve problems for buyers because that's what that's what makes this stuff come alive.
0: Let's talk about the blogging for a minute. And I think it was the About Page guy when he was on here and he t- said to me, we don't need any more top of the funnel content. And I couldn't disagree anymore because I think what he's talking about is everybody writes the same old article, right? The five steps of the five rules of new rules in marketing, right? Like if everybody were to write that article, who's going to rank for it, right? Not very many people. Um, so you have to figure out what's your unique story? What, what do you have to say that hasn't been said or at least has a little bit of a slightly different angle? Uh, but talk about the role of blogging. And I know a lot of companies, they don't do it or they don't do it very well or they do it for 10 articles and then they pause for a year or whatever it might be. Uh, but what is the, the specific uh, relevance of blogging and, and why should companies do that in today's environment?
1: And and I agree with you 100% that that blogging is important. And for a number of reasons, I think the most important reason is this. The idea of social media, the idea of doing, say, YouTube videos or being active on LinkedIn or being active on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be, uh, doing a podcast like we're doing right now, these things are all great. But ultimately, when you're doing a video putting it on YouTube, you're creating an Instagram feed, a TikTok feed. those social networks own that content in a sense and you and your potential customers, your buyers are going to a social network to get your content. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but ultimately, I am absolutely convinced that everybody, a person, every organization should have their own, content real estate. They should have their own unique place on the web. Now, for most companies, that's their corporate website, but it could be a specific um, page or a specific um, website that's focused on a particular buyer persona or a particular market niche. Um, But the idea of Owning your content real estate, I think, is essential in today's world um, as social networks come and go in popularity. Um, I remember, you know, I mentioned earlier, as you kindly did the introduction, talked about my book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, um, I'm now in the eighth edition. I'm actually working on the ninth edition, which will come out um, um, some number of months from now. And as I'm working on the on the different editions, one of the things I have to update is the changes in the social networks? So I think it might have been the third or fourth edition. Oh my God, do- gosh! Google Plus, Google now has a social network. It's competing with Facebook. This is important. You should think about how you should use Google Plus. I said in the, in that edition of the book, um, and two editions ago, I think it was, I had to say, oh my gosh! Google closed down Google Plus. It no longer exists. If you created a whole bunch of content content and you put your your fo- the focus of your company or the focus of your personal brand on, on Google Plus sorry you lose. <laughs> so the the one thing you can control is your own content real estate. And blogging is a form of text-based content on your own content real estate and from that perspective I think it's it's critically important and the idea that every blog post you write is increasing slightly your search engine results it's it's creating more breadcrumbs for people to find you um it's putting out long-form content that that ranks in the search engines and you're right no we the world doesn't need another list of the five best things to do xyz we absolutely don't need A chat GPT created blog post that's just a pirated copy of of the stuff within a large language model that, that then is tossed up onto a page, which so many people are doing right now. That doesn't work, but a unique perspective. I also think it's important to think about a real-time perspective, and I call this newsjacking, but the idea of understanding what's going on in the news cycle. And if there's something breaking in the news cycle based on your area of expertise, create a real-time blog post because the media might be interested or it might be exactly the moment that people are looking for what you have to offer. So putting that content out instantly based on what's happening in the news can be super successful.
0: Yeah, I actually don't get why people don't blog more. And I, you know, every time you blog, and as Andy Crestodino said, it's not even about the specific blog post, but if you link to other pages, even product pages, when it makes sense within context, not buy, 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 but if you mention uh, workflow, workflow consulting, and you have a page for that service, just link to that. It's going to actually help uh, that page rank because the blog post will probably rank if it's done well. Uh, I want to shift gears for a few minutes here. You talked earlier about content ideas and going with the flow and just kind of keep going and that reminded me of a recent example here um, where one of the highest performing articles that we did um, was just kind of spur of the moment it huh. was like somebody outside the company mentioned something and we're like interesting like do people care about that so we wrote about it it had like this long article about like 18 ways i know we don't like waste but in that case i worked of doing this one thing and it really took off. And it really was a good example of sometimes you can plan as much as you want, but sometimes the in the, in the moment stuff works too. What tips do you have for companies to do that well?
1: Uh, I absolutely agree with that, that, that sometimes, and it happens to me, the long planned, oh my gosh, this is going to be such a great blog post and I push it out and there's crickets, nothing happens. And other times, like I'll be watching the news, oh my gosh, something interesting is going out, bang, push it out. And then all of a sudden there's, there's attention that's generated. So I always recommend that what people do is pay attention to what's going on in the news. Look for news stories that are are part of that are that are are around the area of expertise that you have, that that your company solves for people, that that you are a recognized expert on. And then um, as a news story breaks, you might then create real-time content. I'll give you an example in my own world because this happened to me, I don't know, it was like four or five months ago. Um, I was, um, as I do frequently, checking Google News and and checking the trending topics on X. Uh, And I do that on a regular basis two or three times a day. And it it only takes me two or three minutes each time I do it. But I'll go to Google News, no personalization. I'm not looking for any particular keywords or anything, but just what's going on in the news. I'll go to Twitter, I still call it Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, see what's trending there. And I'm looking for something that I might be able to do a real-time blog post on. And I noticed, um, and you might remember when this happened, that Donald Trump rejoined Twitter. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, I should write about that because I write about content, I write about social media. So I wrote about Donald Trump rejoining re- Twitter. And it was a, just a throwaway blog post, it wasn't very, it was a couple of paragraphs. Um, and that was it. And I thought, okay, you know, there it is. It's out there. Um, I want to alert my readers to the fact that after being banned for something like two years or t- three years, Donald Trump was now invited back to Twitter and he rejoined. And this was his first tweet. And um, it turns out that the media were, was covering this story. And um, within a few hours of me pushing the button, I got contacted by the BBC and they said, "Hey, we want to put you on live right now can you Can you jump on and um i'm t- currently at uh my studio in my my primary residence outside of Boston, but I happen to be on Nantucket island um and so I oh yeah, sure, we can do that, and I'm scrambling to figure out how I'm going to get lights and 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 do it so that it looked professional. have a decent microphone. I was able to pull it all together in about an hour." Um, and even though I was on a semi vacation, uh, found a shirt that I could appropriately wear on the BBC and I was up and I was doing it. And that kind of thing usually doesn't happen. um, if it's not real time, because the media is always looking for the next big thing, the next big story. Um, so putting something out around your area of expertise can often lead to super interesting things happening.
0: Absolutely. And you know, one thing I have now, I just have a studio set up here, right? Like I can hop on any podcast, put on a better shirt. Maybe if I go on TV, then my own podcast uh, and just got the lights on. If you guys want to order any of the stuff you see around me, the sound panels, Amazon store, the QR code is over there. You can scan that. Everything is available there. Uh, time just flies. We have a couple minutes left here. So I want to talk really briefly about the importance of reaching the media. I mean, sometimes, you know, companies, anybody can do their own thing. But what is the importance today to reach the different types of media, whether it's uh, trade publications or the traditional or even um, successful podcasters or bloggers that do it on their own time?
1: A number of different important reasons to reach the media. Um, In some cases, you can use the resulting. I call it a press clip. I'm an old school guy and. uh, did public relations for a couple of years for some, some big companies, but you get the press clips. So, so in the case of my BBC example, just a moment ago, I've got now the video of that BBC episode. I'm able to share that. Um, uh, and so on your website or in your blog or wherever you've got a media page on your website, if you have one and most companies should, you can put the uh, different places that you've been quoted in the media. And that serves as a way of showing that you're somebody who, People should pay attention to. Um, it also might be that somebody reads that story, watches that interview, listens to this to a podcast like this one, and says, "Oh, this person seems interesting. I, I should check out more about them, or check out their book, or maybe inquire about having them speak in an event." If it's somebody like me or you, and um, and so that serves as a great um, opportunity as well by using the media. Um, it doesn't make the idea. The idea of the media used to be that you had to do it, especially as a B2B company, because it was the only way you could get noticed. Now, I think it's supplemental of a, of a great marketing program. I used to say marketing and PR are two different disciplines. I think they've really converged recently into being more like one discipline where they they, they, they play off of one another.
0: They work together. Uh David really appreciate you coming on the on the show. Thanks for sharing all your insights in the last 15 seconds here tell me uh, who should reach out to you, how do they connect with you well, what kind of things do you offer?
1: I'm the only David Meerman Scott in the world, so google my name, you'll find me on most of the social networks. I am DM Scott D M S C O T T and thanks for very much for having me on Christoph.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review The Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.